Alrighty, welcome to episode 14 of the Snowball Effect. I'm here with Charlie Titchener. Did I say that correctly? You did. Thank you Amazing. for having me, man. It's good to see you again. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. I think we met originally at Geek Out San Diego. Shout out to Nick. That was an unreal event. Um, but yeah, man, great to have you here. So let, let's get right into it. So I know um, you are like the media buying guy. You have some crazy... Uh, perspectives on media buying that are definitely disrupting what most people are talking about in the media buying world. Um, but, you know, before, and you've definitely been doing this for a while, there's, there's no secret on that. But what I'm super curious about to know is because, you know, myself and you, we've never even had to have this conversation in, in the first place, um, personally. So how did you get started? Like, how did this all come to be? Where did, where was like the starting point and how long ago was that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll try to make it as tantalizing as possible and as short as I can. Uh, I used to be a touring musician and I was a radio DJ. Eventually, I got myself to be a serious XM afternoon drive guy for this guy named Bubba the Love Sponge. Then Hulk Hogan's sex tape ruined my radio career. But I was able to put myself through grad school with an MBA in marketing and business management during that time. So I fled Florida for completely not legal reasons and made it out to LA, got a job working $10 an hour at an ad agency, running up fake views for Disney stars on the brand new YouTube videos. And eventually accidentally started a couple ad agencies. And within about a year and a half, I was spending a million dollars a day or more as the supervisor at Omnicom um, for the performance media division, uh, which is uh, Resolution Media. And uh, so I had a seven-figure daily budget working with uh, brands like Nissan, CBS, Activision, Levi's, the Apple team, stuff like that. And that was 2013, 2014. So since then, I've spent a an ungodly amount, several hundred million dollars last time I tried to even count. And uh, I mean, my clients and students have done in the billions in revenue. Uh, I mean, I, my client's list is, I couldn't even begin to name them all, but it's like Pizza Hut, Papa John's. I brought TRX to market. I used to do all the lead gen stuff or progressive insurance. Like I've done D2C brands like 310 Nutrition. Um, I've been, I'm in the CBD space. I've been around doing a lot of things for a really, really long time. And I uh, had the luxury of also being a little bit, uh, I'm not always the best person to work in an office with. So I had the luxury of working at a lot of different places over a very short amount of time. And what that really gave me more than anything was tremendous perspective because I got to learn from a dozen of the smartest people in a dozen different rooms. And both client side, vendor side and agency side, I learned every working part. I got to see the bottom line for everything. And at one point in time, I was literally the Facebook lead for the West Coast of the United States for seven, eight figure weekly budgets on a, you know, international evil conglomerate ad agency because literally nobody else wanted to run Facebook at the time because they were all really good at like Yahoo ads and email. So like, Facebook didn't have attribution and you had to edit it with Excel. So like I've been around for a little while, uh, but yeah, I got into it through all that stuff. And then my just shameless self-promotion of being a touring musician ultimately figured, helped me figure out a way to make other people money on the internet. Very, so very yeah, cool. um, Hulk Hogan sex tape ruined my radio career. And ultimately I figured out how to spend a million dollars a day. Very, very cool. Wow. All right. So let's, let's unpack a little bit of that. So 2013, oh, I guess it was actually before 2013 that you were first launching ads on Facebook. I mean, I, I think the first time I launched a Facebook ad was, I don't know, like 2016 or 2017. And I know just from then till now, it has changed immensely. Everything is different. It's basically an entirely different game. Can you talk a little bit about the changes that have happened 
between like I guess it was probably like 2011, 2012, and and now when you between when you first started and and how how it's changed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my first Facebook effort was promoting my band, and my first clients were Jay. My first real big paid media efforts was Jay and Silent Bob selling like tickets to like Comic Con speaking yeah, events. Yeah. And like Jamba Juice and like some like cruise companies. I still get weird alerts for the Fairmont Hamilton Princess in the Bahamas because I did the launch of the takeover of that um, like almost 10 years ago. So, but at the time, there was no such thing as a conversion campaign. Um, there was no such thing as the Facebook pixel. Um, you had to edit. If you were worth your salt, you were editing everything in Power Editor and Excel. So it was a very different ecosystem. But what was really great was you had to learn how to make the machine work and what the machine wanted from you. So as Facebook got easier and easier over the years, and I would say today it's easier than it's ever been to be really successful, all of those crutches and bridges and, and training wheels that people have now, I didn't have when I started. So I think that gives me an unfair advantage of just being right space, right time, right opportunity of intimately being aware of the growth of the platform and being a part of the growth of that platform. Because I was in the alpha of lead gen. I brought DPA to market. Like I was, you know, in the case studies for designing how to use CBO and creative testing and advanced matching with, you know, 10 figure, or sorry, not 10 figure, a $10 million, 10 figure, really crazy, $10 million budgets. And so I think the biggest change more than anything from then to now was it used to be extraordinarily technical. And the more technically savvy you were, the better. Now it is way more about understanding how do you meet Facebook's business model of keeping people who are on Facebook and Instagram wanting to be, come back, you know? Ultimately, it's a meritocracy of user experience where you used to just be able to hack the shit out of it as much as you wanted because they were just trying to get anybody good at Google to come on. It was a desperate ploy back when I got started. And the only reason I got the job was because there's the only person willing to raise their hand and say, yeah, nobody knows how to do it. And there's an unlimited budget. I'll go. And uh, that's just personality type. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, yeah, back in the day, it's just like being technical, hacking away, like figuring out hacks. And now it's making content that keep people engaged because that's what Facebook and all these other platforms care about. So it makes a ton of sense and you've seen it firsthand. So what, so I guess you've obviously had an absurd amount of experience in the media buying world. I'm super curious to know, what are you working on right now? So a lot of what I'm personally working on right now is I'm building something called Disruptor School, which is basically like the code academy of digital marketing. And I'm just trying to make the, this available for everybody. Um, and the point of that is when I started, literally, I couldn't ask anybody for help because nobody had any idea what they're supposed to do. I remember going to my boss in 2014, 2013, 14, and I didn't know how to do my job because there was an ask, right? They sold something and nobody in the room knew what it was. And I went to my boss and said, Hey, how do I do this? She pulled out her headphone, told me to check my job description, put her headphone back in and went back to writing emails. And so a lot of what I'm working on right now is just providing people the opportunity to never have to face that. And for what it's worth, I think the easiest path to financial independence right now, if you've got it, anybody worth their salt in Facebook ads can make a six-figure income working part-time. 
So like, I'm really trying to democratize access to that as well as CMOs and, and make the marketing side work for people. And with that, like I'm, I've got my hands in TikTok ads. I got my hands in YouTube ads. I've been running, you know, display media and programmatic and email for many, many, many years on top of the Facebook stuff. And, and so I'm always trying to figure out what is the easiest way of solving the most important problem and then figuring out how to scale that and then tackling the next thing. Um, and so that's a lot of what I'm working on right now is trying to teach people how to make Facebook stupid easy and then figuring out where the next low hanging fruit so that realistically I'm managing twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a day for one of my stores. And it takes me two, three hours a week. How do I make that happen for three other platforms? That's the puzzle I'm trying to solve and how I'm trying to give back in the space. Because the honest truth is I feel like 70, 80% of people that buy ads were overworked, underpaid, and poorly trained by somebody else that didn't quite know what they were doing. And there's a great opportunity to change that. Um, and I'll gladly be that person because I can teach and I can talk ad nauseum. So I might as well use those superpowers with my experience to try to help people out. Very cool. Makes a ton of sense. So that this code academy, code academy for um, digital marketing and Facebook ads, all that stuff, is that an existing product? Is that something that you're still building, like what, what, what stage is that in? First question? Yes. Then, yeah. Yeah, we, let's start with that. Let's start with that. So, so it's ultimately called Disruptor School. I, I got the LLC and the website. Right now, the MVP of that product is called the Facebook Ads MBA program. It's a 12-week immersive thing. Just like Code Academy, you go in, you come out, you can get an $80,000, $100,000 a year gig. You go through Facebook Ads MBA program, you're going to be better than 85, 90% of anybody on the face of the planet running Facebook ads, and you're going to be effectively capable of being like a fractional CMO. So that's the MVP. Um, I'm currently working with some people to add TikTok, and by the end of the summer, I'll be hopefully starting the flow to add YouTube. So ultimately, it'll be one place where you can learn all these complementary skills, and you can limp in with whatever one you want. But ultimately, the curriculum is universally applicable. So, you know, just like learning Python or Ruby or C++ or HTML, once you get the idea, learning, you know, how to do it in another way isn't that difficult. It's like every language that's Latin-based is more or less the same. Once you figure it out, you can do all of the Romance languages. Now, I'm terrible at it, but I think that that's a fact. Makes a ton of sense. And something that something else you said is one of your stores is, you know, you're spending whatever amount and you only have to log into the ads manager like a few hours a week. So you're also running stores, I'm assuming. And, and can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I don't teach anything that I don't do. Um, I'm currently partner in a CBD business. I'm partner in a clothing business. And I also have students and clients from around the world, like six continents, nobody in Antarctica yet, but fingers crossed one of these days, soon, soon. Uh, uh, you know, so those businesses trying to solve those problems on a regular basis, plus being exposed to everybody else really, really helps me make things work. And I can put my money where my mouth is because like I'm promoting myself, I'm promoting these businesses. And I'm, you know, currently in development of a business. We did 7 million our first year. We're probably going to do over 12 to 20 in the second year. And our goal is a nine figure exit in the next 70, you know, in the next 30 months, starting from scratch. And I'm doing a brand launch in the next week. So trying to figure out all these things. One, I worked for way less than I was worth for a lot of other people. So one of it's in investing in myself. And two is also, I'm continuing to sharpen that sword 
so that when people come to me to ask for help, I can talk to them about my personal experience in the space built off of my decades long of doing the work. And I think that ultimately, if I'm not doing the work and I don't have that experience, it's disingenuous for me to tell anybody they should listen to what I have to say about the work. Especially in a space that changes every day. Yeah, especially. And, and also, especially in a space where a lot of the most popular thought leaders are basically people championing the work of their team. They have no idea what they're doing. I can't tell you how many people I know that are teaching or sharing what wins for them, but they're three steps removed from any of the actual execution. I, I always tell people, like, I have an iPhone. If I break this, do you think Tim Cook gives a damn about me or know how to fix it? The answer is probably no. So why would I trust somebody whose job it is every day to manage teams and to grow their business on what somebody four steps down the ladder does on a daily basis? I, I'd rather be the four steps down the ladder guy than the person running the ship when it comes to giving other people advice. And sadly, I think that creates also this giant echo chamber of some agency shares what's working for them. And what's working for them is what one of their kids is trying out on some client's account based on what that person saw on the internet. And what they saw on the internet was somebody else championing a win that they tried because some other ad agency shared what was winning for them. And so we have this like vicious cycle of everybody chasing their tail every few months. And we see the same shit come around and around and around. And my position is if you have to solve the same problem every six to eight weeks, it means you never actually solve the problem to begin with. And a lot of these people are still having the same conversation around bidding models or audiences or creative types. And honestly, I haven't had that conversation realistically for myself in four years because that we already know the answer to that problem. So yeah, like I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. All right, so cool. So last question I have for you, and I'm really excited for, to hear what you have to say on this. I ask every guest this question at the end. Um, so I guess for you specifically in the media buying world, what is a trend that is new that people could get value from? People who are in the digital marketing world, maybe an e-commerce operator, what is something that's happening that's now that maybe they haven't heard of that you could teach and that people could get value from? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, the, the biggest, newest disruptive things, if I was to look at it like that, is kind of looking at digital marketing as though, as though it was everything else we've ever done in advertising. Honestly, it's treating the new stuff like old stuff. And what I mean by that is there used to be a time with a cash grab of throwing everything at the machine and just taking money out. Like you can't just stroll by and hit an ATM machine with a baseball bat anymore. It just doesn't work like that. So oddly enough, the newest, sexiest, most successful thing to do is build really simple, well-founded businesses. And I, I think the hardest thing to do is finally is accept that chasing the new shiny object is actually a liability to your success. Whereas I think three years ago, five years ago, in 2016, 2017, every shiny object was a million dollars if you smashed it overnight. And I think that has gone away. And while there's a lot of new exciting things, what I would urge everybody, especially starting out and especially trying to really make an impact, is let everybody else go and waste their money and die out in the wilderness to chop down the, the trails that we can then follow and just make cash with. So that is one of the big things. And like, 
whether it's affiliate marketing, right? And different tools or paid media or email or whatever, there's always going to be fun new ideas. But the cash grab of missing out, I think the upside is far outweighed by the long-term benefits of just running a good business. The easiest hack to making a ton of money is give a damn about your customer and do one thing really well. And I think honestly, that's so different than 2017 drop shipping, where it was just like, oh, I found a product, I'm gonna spend a hundred grand and make a million dollars and I'll do that three times a year, which was bonkers and amazing, but you just can't do that anymore. And so while that sounds boring, while that sounds old school, it's kind of like circled back around to cool because I know a lot of people chasing the easy dollar that are going broke and a lot of other people that are just doing something stupid, simple, and well, they're just printing money. Great. Yeah. So how, how would you take that concept, which I totally agree with, and apply that to media buying? Like what's something that a media buyer could be doing wrong that applying that concept would fix? Yeah. Great question. I think one of the biggest things that I see people trying to do is trace, chase trends on what's happening in media buying. Because everybody's saying, well, it's working organically. Let me try it on ads. And there's always going to be some angle where some person in an out of context way made a lot of money. And that's great. But a good ad will always win. And we see that more and more now that the platforms care more and more about the end user experience. Making stuff that people care about is ultimately going to be way more effective than trying to spend all of your time and energy hacking the machine. So the way to apply that is solve the biggest problems in the most simple way that you can. The way that I do that on Facebook, for instance, is I'll run all my ads. I, I usually have like one campaign, like this is my winning structure right here. I literally have this on a sticky note, right? Amazing. So I've got one campaign. These are my best ads. I've got one or two dynamic creative tests with maybe three creatives, two headlines, two primary texts. And the whole purpose is if any of these can beat my existing winner on average, and it's not saying I get a new best ad. It's saying, can I find, say I've got five ads in my winners. Can I produce one ad that's better than the absolute worst? Then I can improve my average. So Thinking about one of the biggest mistakes I see people doing now is they're launching 30, 40, 50 ads a week. And I get it. Like that can work. But that's a lot of work. Instead, if you just give the machine a few choices and constantly improve the quality of choices it can make, it will only make better choices over time. And you can spend the rest of your time figuring out everything else. Um, so like for me, that's why it takes me so little time. I do the same type of thing on TikTok, where it's just a, I update like one new creative every couple of days and a dynamic, and I'll just let the machine get better and better and better at delivering me an end goal. Um, so what I mean by that ultimately is it's back down to brilliant basics of advertising. Every ad is a burden on the end user, right? Like you don't look off into the sunset and look forward to seeing a billboard. Right. You don't watch TV specifically for the commercials. I mean, maybe the Super Bowl, whatever. But like you're not sitting down just stoked to watch broadcast television for the commercials. Right. So my point is nobody logs on the Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube to see all of your hard work. You're a burden on their experience. So make that as enjoyable as you can. Make that as memorable as you can. 
and make that something that the platform wants to show to people. And you're going to be a lot better. You know, I mean, there's a reason why the Coca-Cola bears with, you know, at Christmas is always run every year. That the There's an M&M's commercial that's been running for like 10 years, 20 years, right? Um, making what people want to see is something that will put you ahead. And, and so go back to reading stuff from Ogilvy and all these other folks and see just like, these are the best ads ever. How can I replicate that? And you're probably going to be in a really great place. You know, it's funny. Um, and I'll close with this sort of like thesis statement on it. One of the greatest ads of all time was back in the 60s. It was a commercial for the Volkswagen Beetle. And it showed a Beetle. And the text on the ad was zero to 60. Yes. The ad was white background with a picture of a Beetle chopped out, put into it with big black letters. It was a meme. The exact same thing that we see on memes now, everything was the exact same. And people still responded to it back 50, 60 years ago. What works always works. So just figure out how to stop being clever and figure out how to just rip off everybody that's already figured it out. There's so much more money in just ripping off really good people. You're only as good as who you steal from. So figuring that out is a way easier way to, than to try to innovate because let the people spending a million dollars a day figure out the new thing. And, and I think that's ultimately the biggest advantage people can have. And if I could give anybody anything, it's keep it as simple as possible and just try to get better every week. Um, I know I said that was going to close on that statement, but I'll make one more. 2% better every week is three times better at the end of the year. Just get 2% better every week and your business will grow 3x in year one, 9x in year two, 27x in three years, right? Three times better all the time. So you don't need to hit home runs. Just suck a little bit less on a consistent basis. And every now and again, a home run will put you through the roof. Like it's, it's really that easy. Just try your best, keep it simple and make every effort to suck a little bit less tomorrow. And you're going to be phenomenally ahead of the game. Keep things simple and copy what worked from the man himself, Charlie. <laughs> That's Thank really you so much. it. It's been a pleasure. You dropped a lot of knowledge and I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was great having you on and we will see everybody in the next episode. I love it, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're the man. And uh, I'm super excited about talking to you about, you know, at another point in time, how maybe I can take some affiliate stuff and figure out maybe you can capitalize on doing some stupid old things way better than the dinosaurs who don't give a damn about me or doing it. So we'll chat about that afterwards. That is a conversation we'll definitely have. Love it.